One of the joys of getting older is finding out you're getting older. <clears throat> I've learned more and more to identify with Hebrews 4, 4. I don't remember what translation it is, but it says, it says somewhere in the scriptures. I was asked a question this evening, and my response wanted to be, it says somewhere in the scriptures. But it's in Genesis 22, uh, for the one who's asking the question about Isaac uh, being offered in Genesis 22. But anyway, one of the responsibilities given to us is to remember the, the thought of the words of the song that we've just sung. When I've gone the last mile of the way, the difficulties that we face is not knowing when we're on that last mile of the way. And so the challenge is set before us of seeking to do God's will within our life. Paul is writing in 2 Timothy, which we believe basically to be the last book that he wrote, that as he would face a Roman execution, that he was writing to the young preacher Timothy and trying to encourage him. And again, as we read and study the scriptures, one is reminding ourselves that they are written to Christians, so they have an application for us today. Another is you wonder, or I do at times, as I read the scripture, what was going on that Paul would felt the need to write what he did? We're over in 2 Timothy chapter 4, looking at the first eight verses. I charge you, therefore, before God and the Lord Jesus Christ, who will judge the living and the dead, at his appearing in his kingdom. Preach the word. Be ready in season and out of season. Convince, rebuke, exhort with all longsuffering and teaching. For the time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine, but according to their own desires they will heap up for themselves teachers, and they will turn their ears away from the truth and be turned aside to fables. But you, be watchful in all things. Endure afflictions. Do the work of an evangelist. Fulfill your ministry. For I am already being poured out as a drink offering, and the time of my departure is at hand. I have fought the good fight. I have finished the race. I have kept the faith. Finally, there is laid up for me the crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will give to me on that day, and not to me only, but also to all who has loved his appearing. Again, why would Paul write that following those following words to Timothy? Reminding ourselves as he's talking about their departure away that he's not writing to the heathens. He's not writing to those who have never yet become children of God. But he's writing to believers. 
It could be writing to those who are favorable towards God and towards Jesus, but reminding them of some things that they need to be very mindful of. I charge you, challenge you, rebuke you, exhort you, telling you there is a problem coming. Had already come in his day. It always been true. Been true since the Garden of Eden. When Eve listened to the words of Satan as opposed to the word of God. You think about standing before God and the Lord Jesus Christ. Sometimes you hear individuals make the comment, well, I'll just take my chances with him. Well, I'll face that when I get there. He understands what I'm thinking. He understands what I'm doing. He will understand why I've done the things that I've done. You're standing before God, the creator of the universe, the one who knows your thoughts before you think them, the one who knows your deeds before you speak them, the one who knew you before you were formed in the womb. He knows you. You're not going to pull the wool over his eyes. You're not going to be able to say, well, you just know how, you don't know how difficult it was to live in this world. How many generations have said that? It's just hard to be a Christian in this day and age. How many generations have said that? We're talking about Christians, we're going back to the first century. And then from then on, how hard is it? It's always been the same. Either you trust God or you do not. But he will judge the living and the dead. There is no escaping. We always want to come up with excuses. Either for others or for ourselves or why we want to bypass or why we want to neglect doing certain things. And we want to sometimes preface it. Well, God understands my heart. And I've told individuals on, on occasions, yes, God does know your heart much more deeply than you understand. He knows you and what's involved. That he will judge the living and the dead with his appearing in his kingdom. God will do his will. But God's people have always faced that. Going back to Adam and Eve and coming on down. It's always interesting for me to read about King Saul, King David, King Solomon. You just go on down the list. But you start with Saul. Back in 1 Samuel 13. Saul was told to wait for Samuel to come and to make the offering. And Saul is looking around, the people are becoming discouraged, and he's concerned about the enemy coming. And in verse 12, he talks about, I know I wasn't supposed, paraphrasing, I was not supposed to make the offering. Now that was for you to do, Samuel. But the people were coming discouraged, so I forced myself to make the offering. That describe us at times? I know it wasn't the right thing to do. So I forced myself to do it. 
And he was told he was going to lose his kingdom as a result of that. Go into chapter 15. Totally destroy the Amalekites and everything. And he comes back bragging to Samuel, I've kept the Lord's command. What is the bleeding of the sheep and the lowing of the, lowing of the, the sheep or the cows and the bleeding of the sheep? You haven't done it. Yes, I have done everything that the Lord has asked me to do. You see, it was the people. Have we ever done that? It was the people who wanted to save the best to offer them as a sacrifice. It was the crowd I was running with, is what we hear sometimes today. Really wasn't me. I wouldn't have done that on my own. Satan knows the power of company. God knows the power of company. Why God tells his people, associate with God's people. You'd be more inclined to do that which is good. The need to hear God's word, preach the word. It's what God has spoken. And there is to be no apology for what God has spoken. The Hebrew writer reminds me in chapter 12 that God disciplines for my good. For he knows what is best. So there's no apology to be offered. Sometimes it may hurt as the word is preached. But that's the the intention of it, is it not? To prick the heart. To pierce the soul. To cause a life that is drifting, if you will. To understand that danger. There's danger in drifting. There is to be what God would have us to be doing. To be ready in season and out of season. I believe it was Marshall Keeble that says that means preach it when they like it and preach it when they don't. It's not always easy, if you will. But the word is the power of God to convict the soul of what it needs to do to be right with God. Of the change that needs to be made. We have those examples given to us throughout the scriptures. Telling us of the warning, of the danger. Now thinking we're doing God's will, only to find out that God says, I do not know you. You are a worker of iniquity. Depart from me. Those are haunting verses. Matthew 15, verses 8 and 9. Going back to the scripture. In vain do they worship me. Teaching us doctrines, the commandments of men. In vain do they worship me to no purpose, to no avail. So the word needs to be preached. It's not to be spoken, but not lived. It's to be spoken and lived. The application is to be made in our lives to do the bidding of God. To convince, to rebuke, to exhort. Again, he's talking to God's people. That they need to be convinced of what it is that God would have them to do. We go back in the book of Acts in chapter 17. Paul is coming to Thessalonica. And there's a synagogue of the Jews there. Again, these at the time were to be God's people. Christianity has been established And there was a need to turn to the gospel, but they were meeting to study the scriptures. 
And Paul, as his custom was, went to them and for three Sabbaths reasoned with them from the Scriptures, explaining and demonstrating that Christ had to suffer and rise again from the dead, saying, This Jesus, whom I preach to you, is the Christ. Had to reason with them, challenge them, look at the Scriptures, see what it is that they have to say. Understand that these words that we read were written for our admonition, that we, through the patience and the comfort of Scriptures, might have hope. There's a need for us to realize it's not going through the motions. That's not satisfactory with God. God planned. God executed. And God kept his word and will keep his word. That has not changed. His desire is that we will see that without him, without Christ, without that blood, we have no hope whatsoever. And once we become his child, it's not simply riding the wave and seeing where it goes. It's setting the feet to the path. Pursuing the will of God. And making an application again within our lives. Go over to chapter 19 of Acts. Verses 8 and 9. Paul at Corinth preaching there. And he went into the synagogue and spoke boldly for three months, reasoning, excuse me, reasoning and persuading concerning these things of the kingdom of God. But some were hardened and did not believe. It's always a challenge. Again, I'm reminded that the Jews were God's people. And trusted with the oracles of God. Met every Sabbath day to study those scriptures. To see what it was that God would have them to do. They were inclined or they were chosen and they were commanded to live a particular lifestyle. With an understanding that this is what God wanted. And then I'm reminded that they failed so many times. That's for our example, that we can become a child of God. We can be entrusted with the oracles of God. We can read them every day. You have them, I have them, I've got family members who tell me they just love to read the Bible. They can just read it for hours upon hours every day, but have not listened to a word that it said. Oh, it gives me some, such comfort just saying I'm reading God's Word. But they're not applying what they're reading. They will not take the time to read and understand what does that mean to me? Why is that preserved? John, as he closed that, his gospel said, Many other things Jesus did and said that are not recorded in these books. If everything was recorded, even heavens could not contain the scrolls that would be written. Not everything could be recorded, so it was selected. The Holy Spirit selected these words. Old Testament, New Testament. God chose those words. If God chose those words, and he could have used other words, why did he choose those words? 
What's the lesson for me? What's the lesson, excuse me, what's the lesson that I, I am to gain from it? We, we like to choose to run to, again, the end of the Gospel of John. Many other things Jesus did and said that are not recorded. In the, well, what were they? What were they, the words that he do, speak? What other things did he say? Rather than saying, what am I going to do with what he did say? And how does that apply to my life? And what is it that God is expecting from me? If the Pharisees could worship in vain, could I worship in vain? That's why Paul is telling Timothy, when you go out to them, convince them, rebuke them, exhort them with all longsuffering and teaching. To be those like they were in the days of when Peter was writing, the second Peter, the third chapter, in verses three and four. Knowing that first, knowing first, this first, that scoffers will come in the last days, walking according to their own lusts, saying, where is the promise of his coming? For since the fathers fell asleep, all things continue as they were from the beginning of creation. Where is all this that God has promised? Where is this all that God has spoken of? Nothing has really changed. And is that not basically what we hear? For many in the religious world, everything's the same as it's been. Ever since the first century, things are discontinued along the way. And they do forget God's interaction with human beings. God's providence in the lives of human beings. God's will being performed in the lives of human beings. And there is a need for us then to be reminded, sometimes to be startled, sometimes to be challenged, sometimes to be rebuked. Not that we do not know, is that we know oftentimes but do not do what it is that we ought to be doing. There will come a time when they will not endure sound doctrine, which says this is written to Christians. Christians had received sound doctrine, healthy teaching. That's all the word means. We read a lot today and hear a lot of things coming up. People do not like doctrine. Do not like the word we want, sound doctrine. All that means is healthy teaching. They do not want healthy teaching. What do they want? They want that which is watered down. That which will not convict them. That will soothe their ears and tell them they're okay in doing what they're doing. And again, Paul is writing to Timothy, who is going to be preaching to the church. And it's not so much the outsiders as it is the body of Christ that this preaching is to be given to. Take time to read Acts chapter 6 and 7. Read about Stephen and making his defense before the people of his day. And read how they stopped their ears and dashed their teeth upon him. When he gave them the truth and says, you think you're God's people, but you are stiff-necked and you are rebellious in heart. And they did not want to hear that. God is looking for people who are humble in spirit and humble in heart. 
those who are willing to submit and to listen to what it is and to understand there's something God wants us to do, a life that he wants us to live along the way. They will turn their ears away from the truth. The truth, because there is so much falsehood out there, there are those who, don't, who want to believe there is no truth. Everybody's going their own way. Everybody's doing their own thing. So it really doesn't matter what we do. Just do whatever it is you want to do. But there is a body, a belief that is called the truth. That does not change. And there are those who will turn away from that truth. I hear him speak. I've listened to him. I grew up with him. And I've heard and seen the changes that have made. It's hard for a world that is diverse as we are or for a country that is diverse as we are, to have conviction and assurance that there is just one body of belief that is true. And that we must be faithful to that one body of belief, the Bible. There is no option. There is no other choice if we desire the goal that Paul is seeking. Again, listen to him as he made the statement. I have fought the good fight. It's a challenge. You standing for truth is not going to appease a lot of people. You're going to prick their conscience. You're going to hurt their, their feelings to say, this is what God has said. But I have to fight a good fight. I got to finish the race. The race is not given to the swift. It's given to the one who finishes the course. And that's the life that we live. And I have kept the faith. Jude would say, once for all delivered unto all the saints. We're to contend earnestly for that faith. In Jude 3. They will turn away from the truth and be turned aside to fables. Cunningly devised fables, Peter will say in 2 Peter 1 and verse 16. It's amazing. You listen to them. Read some of the things. Some of the things that have come up. There's a gospel of Judas that somewhere down through time supposedly had surfaced that was written by Judas or written by someone who was associated with Judas, basically saying that Judas was doing the will of God and was blessed by God in doing that will of betraying Jesus. Fables, they're out there. And there are those that will just eat that up. Other things that are out there that are, oh yes, that sounds good. And it sounds good to say that it really does not matter which way you go. We're all going to the same place. And I've mentioned that people at times, sometimes I hear that. Well, it doesn't matter what we believe. We're all going to the same place anyway. 
And I said, at times, yes, we are, or yes, you are. It's just not the place you think it is. You need to rethink it. You need to look at it honestly to see if it even makes logical sense to say that you can believe that 2 plus 2 is 3 and you can believe that 2 plus 2 is 6 and you can believe 2 plus 2 is 5 and you can believe 2 plus 2 is 4 and it really doesn't matter. It does matter. It does matter. And it is a matter of life and death. It is a matter of salvation and damnation. And to be very careful about the life that we live. Be watchful in all things. Be aware of the fact. False teachers will creep in. They will come in like sheep in wolf's clothing. And I've said before, I'm not sure how we perceive that. From listening and watching people, I get the impression in my mind that we think that when a wolf comes in in sheep's clothing, it's going to be like the cartoon wolf in sheep's clothing. And you can see the big fangs on him, and you can see his ears, and you can see his tail, and you can tell that it's a wolf with a sheep's skin on top of him. So you can spot him a mile away. The scriptures say they will sneak in unaware. Seeking to destroy the flock. Caring nothing for the flock. They do not care anything for your soul. Their sole purpose is to destroy your soul. Theirs is and they want to destroy yours. So they really do not care what they do, what they say, how they say it. And what damage they do as a result of what they said. Be watchful in all things. What is it that the Word of God really says in its context? Endure afflictions. They're going to come. The righteous will be persecuted. Jesus said that. They persecuted Him. He says they persecuted the Master. They're going to persecute His servants. So do not be alarmed at that. Endure affliction. The psalmist reminds us in Psalm 34, 19, The Lord delivers us from those. We're going to endure them, but the Lord delivers. It's always right to do what is right. You look at the life of Paul, consider it. Take some time to pull out those teachings of his life before becoming a Christian, his life after becoming a Christian. See what he went through, see what he endured along the way. And how he saw that. Whatever I've gained in this physical world, he says, is but rubbish. It's trash. For the sake of knowing Jesus Christ as my Lord. This world has nothing to offer. That can compare to what God offers through Jesus Christ. And whatever I go through here is nothing. Compared to what I will go through. If I'm unfaithful to him. But the choice is ours. Will we spend the time to see what it is that God has spoken to us through his word? And as we learn what it is that he is saying to us through his word, 
Will we be of the mindset then to be willing to do what it is that he said? To live the life that he would have us to live. So that indeed again we can be his child. Faithful unto death. To receive that crown of life. To all of those who have loved his appearing. Talked to a lot of people down through time who says they know the Lord could come at any time. They're just praying he doesn't come right now. Why? Well, I need to do some. I need to do some things. I need to make some corrections. Why would we wait? This danger and this death in waiting and delaying. Will we do his will in the life that we live? That's the challenge. As we look at your as you look at your life, as you reflect upon where you are as a child of God, or as one who needs to become a child of God, why do you wait? What do you hope to gain by a further delay? There's only danger in death and eternal destruction. While God gave us the time, while God gives us the opportunity, make the change in the life and do his will. If we could assist you in that decision, if we could help you in that decision, indeed we bid you to come as together we stand and sing. Oh, do not let the word depart and close thine eyes against the light. For sin heart and not thy heart be saved oh, tonight. Oh, why not tonight? Oh, why not tonight?